Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Mark Johnson. Mark is a 30-year veteran of the investment and financial planning industry and a pioneer in helping emerging dental professionals with student loan repayment strategies. He is based in the greater St. Louis area and is founder of studentloansrx.com. The company's goal is to help men and women develop plans to tackle their student loan debt in the context of an overall financial plan. Mark, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you. Sure thing. Well, let, let's just jump in straight away and talk some numbers. Your bio says you started the company to fill a huge need that each year there are over 7,000 dental school graduates and residents entering the workforce with anywhere between 300 and 700K in student loan debt. Talk about that. Give us, we heard about the student loan crisis. You're on the front lines. What's going on out there? Great. So as you know, there's about 1.7 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. And the average dentist graduates with around 300 to 350,000. But in our experience, we get a lot of folks that come to us that have anywhere from four, five, even 600,000 just coming out of dental school. And then if they go on to residency, let's say you're going to do a three-year ortho residency, you might come out of school with, you know, 500 to 750,000 in student loan debt. Wow. That's a lot crazier than kind of the statistics on the average student loan is 30,000 bucks. You know, if someone gets a degree in say the social sciences. Now, obviously a dentist has a higher income than the average person. What are you seeing as the income for a starting dentist coming out with three to $400,000 in student loan debt? Sure. So I think the ADA has a statistic on this. I might be off a little bit, but I believe a first-year dentist makes about one hundred thirty to $140,000. Okay. So they're looking at student loan debt of roughly three times their salary. Uh, without proper planning, how hard is that to manage? Well, you have to start making payments, as you know, six months after you graduate, at least on your federal student loans. And so our perspective is that you need to build your financial plan kind of around that. Uh, I think it's very possible. We've had clients pay off 400,000 in four years. So it really is just a an exercise in kind of what your priorities are. Do you want to be carrying this monkey around on your back for 15, 20 years, or do you want to knock it out in maybe under 10 years? So with that level of income, I mean, after a dentist has been out of school for two or three years, hopefully they're making, you know, 160, 170. I've got clients that are making over 200, 250,000 a couple of years out of school. So it, it's really, I think, as important as it is to manage your student loan debt, it's as important to manage your career and get yourself in a position to earn what you're capable of earning. That would be things like, you know, going on and getting additional continuing education in um, some specialization, perhaps implants or Botox or whatever, where you can make yourself, you know, more valuable 
than, you know, just pulling teeth and filling, doing fillings. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And for those who have never really gone down the rabbit hole of student loans, I would submit and tell me if you agree, Mark, that student loans are one of the most complex things in the world, probably because the federal government is involved and they're not really known for their efficiency between different payment plans, different loan forgiveness plans, refinancing in the private market. It's a pretty complex uh, realm, is it not? Yes, I think there's some complexity to it. And uh, unfortunately, the resources that are available to the general public, which is the, the student loan servicers. So there's about a dozen organizations that, you know, really administer the federal student loans. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of graduates, not only in the dental space, but, you know, other graduates, you know, rely on their loan servicer, which is really just a 1-800 number with some customer service people on the other side. These folks are not financial advisors by any stretch of the imagination. They're good good people. They can tell you what your student loan balance is and, and what your average interest rate is and those types of simple questions. But in terms of extracting advice from them, they're really not in a position to do that. And unfortunately, I think a lot of graduates think they can just call their loan servicer and ask a couple of questions. And, and I see, you know, about 15% of our work is what I call redos, which is people that got on a plan out of, after graduation and come to find out two or three years later, they've been on the wrong plan the whole time, cost them thousands of dollars unnecessarily. And then somehow we get connected and we try to get them straightened out. But uh, I believe there's thousands of graduates that get on the wrong repayment plan after graduation. Yeah, I've seen that in my experience with clients calling the uh, 1-800 number at, you know, Nelnet or one of the other ones out there is it's typically a two or three hour hold time in my experience. I mean, it's it's a half a day. You have to budget for it in, in some many times. And then they lose interest and then they just kind of shoot from the hip and pick something, which, you know, isn't obviously the best way to to develop a financial plan. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about, you know, the last year has been challenging or interesting to say the least, but with all these uh, stimulus packages, for starting with the CARES Act and then with the most recent one that passed a, a couple of weeks ago, how is that affecting st- the student loan world? Well, so back on March 13th of 2020, President Trump issued an executive order suspending interest payments and required, yeah, interest accrual and required payments on, federal, on most federal student loans. Uh, that was backed up by the on March 27th, Congress passed the CARES Act. He signed it. And since President Biden has extended several provisions pertaining to student loan relief. So as of right now, interest and payments are not going to be turned back on until October 1st. And so for the average dental student, if you had 300000 in student loan debt last March, and you've had no interest accrual through September 30th of this year, that's like $30,000 of interest savings. So while there hasn't been any quote student loans quote forgiven, uh, $30,000 of, of interest forgiveness, I think is a pretty significant, you know, contribution towards their education from the rest of us taxpayers. Right. But what I've been recommending is, you know, first of all, obviously there's no incentive to do anything right now with your student loans in terms of, you know, refinancing or even getting enrolled in an income driven repayment plan until you know October 1st. Now it takes about three to four weeks to get enrolled in an income-driven repayment plan if that's the appropriate uh, strategy for them. And so I think we'll have a lot of work in 
end of August, beginning of September, helping folks get enrolled in different plans. But, you know, my recommendations have just simply been, you know, stay the course and, uh, you know, don't borrow more than you need. And now between for this year's graduating class, graduating, you know, in May and June, they start working right away and they make some money. Maybe they want to pay off a little bit of debt before interest starts occurring on October 1st. That's a possibility. What do you see as the breakdown from people who have private student loans versus federal student loans, or maybe they've already refinanced from federal to private because of the interest rate uh, difference that's typically available? What's the breakdown in your experience? So most healthcare professionals, U.S. citizens, we get some foreign uh, nationals that we help as well, but but most U.S. uh, citizens have the bulk of their student loan debt is in federal student loans. They might have, let's say, a dentist graduates with three hundred fifty thousand in federal student loans. They might have twenty, thirty thousand in private loans that they picked up along the way. Unfortunately, every once in a while, we also see some credit card debt. Sometimes parents have taken mortgages against their home, so they they owe their parents some money. So there's there's a, I mean, right now the way the system is is there's really an unlimited you know access to credit you know between parents and students and credit cards and loans against parents 401ks and second mortgages on homes you know there's uh there's a lot of lot of credit out there yeah and obviously every situation is case by case but as a general rule you and i would probably agree that borrowing from the 401k or mortgaging the house is probably not the most efficient way of doing it, but we can, that's a case by case basis. But we were talking beforehand about each of our personal records on what we've seen for the most student loan debt. And you beat me by a mile without giving specifics on the uh, the case. What's the most student loan debt you've seen for one person? Yeah, I have a client with 1.1 million wow. uh, and an endodontist. And so uh, that's a lot. I've I have some couples that, you know, they fell in love in graduate school, either dental school or medical school. One case, a couple with uh, close to a million dollars in student loan debt between the two of them. Yeah. Wow. So in the physician world, the uh, PSLF or public service loan forgiveness is a pretty popular loan repayment program. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, if you work for a nonprofit, you have 120 qualifying payments while working for a nonprofit and you're on the right plan, which is typically an income-based repayment plan, then your student loans are forgiven. That's pretty popular because a lot of hospitals are nonprofits. But in Mark, in your experience in the dental world, because a lot of people are in private practice, they own their own practice, what percentage of your clients who are dentists do you see going down the PSLF? So in our experience, somewhere between maybe around 20%, 15 to 20% of my clients take the road public service loan forgiveness. So a lot of times they're they're kind of teaming up different programs or partnering up. So there's a three-year scholarship called Students to Service. That's uh, from the National Health Service Corps. That's $120,000 a scholarship for a three-year commitment in public health. And so they might go in to public health with this scholarship. States have different programs as well. You can get $25,000 a year in many states, and you can renew that a couple times. So there's there's other programs that they can kind of partner up with as they get into public service loan forgiveness, but no one has a crystal ball. And so when we develop a plan for a client, 
even though they might be entering public service loan forgiveness, we don't ever assume in our planning that they're going to stick it all the way out. Because when you get on an income-driven repayment plan, uh, your payments are very low at the front end. Matter of fact, you're not even covering the interest that's accruing. So two or three or four years out of school, oftentimes your student loan balance is higher than the day you graduated if you're on an income-driven repayment plan. And so what we like to do is kind of have a backup plan that if, you know, let's say you're, you're working in public service and, you know, four years into the deal, you know, you run into Dr. Smith at the grocery store and Dr. Smith says, hey, I'm retiring. I've heard really good things about you. Um, let's get together and talk. Maybe you'd like to buy my practice. Well, if you graduated with 400000 in student loan debt, now it's 500000 You kind of feel like you're, I really can't leave public service now. But if we've kind of had a backup plan, which basically is saving some extra money along the way, where you're at least keeping your head above water, then if a Dr. Smith approaches you, you have some options. At least you don't feel like you're committed to sticking it out for the next 10 years. So public service, though, I think is a fantastic opportunity for a lot of dentists, especially if you if you want to move, if you grew up in a rural environment and you want to move back to your hometown, sometimes the public health clinics are, I've got a number of clients that move back home and they're working in public health and and it's a great lifestyle. And and they get paid really well too. I mean, a starting dentist in public health, I think, probably makes a little bit more than a than a first year dentist elsewhere. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting right there. So, as you work with these people fresh out of school, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make in their repayment planning? Well, under normal years, I would say they exhaust their full six month grace period. So, if you have federal loans, you don't have to start making payments for six months. Well, if you had 400000 in student loans at 6%, that's $12,000 of interest that's going to accrue during your six-month grace period. Most people okay. don't realize that, do they? No. And so now this year, only three months is going to accrue. So it's not as bad this year because interest doesn't start accruing again until October 1st. But there's no reason to kick the can down the road for six months. This year, maybe you kick the can down the road until August or something like that. I'd say the second thing, so I think exhausting six-month grace period is a big mistake, completely avoidable. Uh, Number two would be refinancing with a private lender too quickly. Uh, Think about all the folks that graduated in 2018, 2019, rushed to refinance with a private lender. COVID hits. Obviously, nobody knew that was happening, but COVID hits. Everyone else has had no interest or payments since March of 2020. Everyone else that refinanced has had interest in payments. And possibly because they were younger dentists, they might have even got furloughed for two or three months and still had to make those payments. So I think, you know, this is a pretty big number, but I would say 80% of the time or better, it's a bad idea to refinance at least your first year out of school. Now, do you see a lot of people who want to just crush their student loans as fast as they can? Or do you see people kind of want to string it out and pay as little as they can every month? So I'd say there's three categories, okay? There's the person that wants to pay it off as quickly as possible. And I just had a conversation this morning with a young man graduating this year. Um, I said, define quick. And so people have a different idea of what quickly means, but I ask him, what does that mean? And in his mind, it was like seven years, okay? That's one group. The other group I would say is, yes, they 
I call them the uh, current lifestyle group. So they're going to buy a house, buy a new car, you know, get married, all of those things, get a riding lawnmower. And so they just from a pure cash flow standpoint, uh, because they've got all these consumer things that they want to take care of uh, in the first year or two out of school, they have to keep a, a student uh, loan payment fairly low to be able to, you know, cash flow these purchases or stuff. And then there's a group that wants to be practice owners. And, you know, in that case, you just want to be smart about your payment and timing. You know, I think the best repayment strategy is to become a practice owner as soon as possible because practice owners get paid a lot more uh, than associates. That's true. And that, that's that's a good point. So what percentage of your clients are practice owners are going down the practice owner route and who others who are just corporate or associate dentist type situation? Sure. So it's very difficult to start a practice immediately out of dental school, but I would say 60, 65% of our clients are on their path, on the way to becoming practice owners. Okay. So when they come to you, when these, these people come to you for help with student loans, how many of them realize that they really need help with more than student loans? They, they need help with cash flow, you know, investment, insurance planning, all that type of stuff and how it's all tied together. How many of them are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want my student loans. And how many are like, oh, you, everything can be done together. That, that's great. So there's a, I say there's two groups of people. There's self-service and then there's full service. Okay. And so there's people that recognize that, you know, they're becoming experts in their field. They just finished a graduate program in dentistry and they're going to get their first job and they're going to learn probably more in six months practicing dentistry than they learned the last year or two in dental school. Right. They're going to, you know, and they recognize that that's where their time is best spent and they're willing to uh, work with somebody who has experience in another field, i.e. financial planning. So those are the folks we work with. You know, I'm not here to convince anybody that uh, they need to hire me. There's a 7,500 dental professionals entering the workforce every year and, and we get our we get more than we can handle probably in terms of folks that want to want help with that. You know, it is important when I have the opportunity to visit with somebody that's kind of weighing out, should they try to figure this out themselves and, or should they not, or should they hire somebody? I, there's a, you know, we can't use the word expert in our business as, as you know, but there's a saying that if you've spent 10,000 hours on something that you become an expert. And, um, you know, I've spent, seven or 8,000 hours on student loan repayment planning. So I can't call myself an expert, but I feel that uh, we can save our clients a lot of money by helping them avoid some of the big mistakes that we talked about earlier. And then the other thing is, you know, uh, to develop a financial plan, you need to have a good foundation. So that's an employment agreement, a budget, insurance planning, all of these things support one another. And so, you know, that's that's our kind of take on it. Student loan repayment planning, it's not a one-time event. It's not a transaction. You know, there's a number of variables to consider along the path of repayment. You might get on a repayment plan for two or three years. Maybe you get on an income-driven repayment plan for two or three years, and then you're going to pivot to a, a private refinance. The timing of that is crucial, especially if you're on the way to being a practice owner. It almost sounds like true student loan planning is just as much art as it is math. It's like you really have to kind of balance so many things in that regard. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. Uh, no one would consider me artistic in any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. 
I would say, you know, it's as much social science as it is financial. Okay. Because the math is pretty simple. I mean, this is, the math is easy. It's really about striking that right balance between current consumption as you're working towards achieving your goals, like perhaps being a practice owner. So if you want to be a practice owner in two or three years, that's fantastic. But you probably don't want to buy a house right now at the top of the market. Yeah. That, you know, that, even that. though you've got that desire. And so, I mean, let's be frank here. These folks are, you know, late 20s, early 30s, right? Graduating from dental school or residency. When they think about their high school friends, they already are married, two-car garage, a boat, maybe a snowmobile if they live up north. And they've been living on ramen noodles for the last four years getting through dental school. And so they've got this pent-up consumer demand, you know, as they look around their contemporaries. And what I just try to say is, hey, just be a little bit more patient. Give it a, another year or two. Get yourself established in your career. And when you go back to your 15-year high school reunion, you know, you're going to have the biggest house. You're going to have the biggest bank account. Now, maybe you don't need to flaunt that, but you're going to be in a really, really good position. Just to l- be a little bit more patient. On those on those big consumer purchases. Well, and it seems to me, people in their late twenties and early thirties, dentists or not, have trouble envisioning life ten years from now. So what they say they want to do today, it very well may change. You know, three four years from now, they could easily uh, pivot. And you probably see it all the time. They may not realize it's going to happen. But how many times do you put a plan in place? realize and then all of a sudden you know three four five years down the road there's a complete like 90 degree turn well obviously at their age the things that are going to upset a plan that we might put in place today is you know let's say we started out they were single okay so two or three four years out of dental school 50 50 chance they're going to be getting married right or better probably at their age you know for the ladies you know, the biology clock is ticking. And if they decide, if they want to have a family, you know, most women are going to start having kids by probably what age 35 or earlier. So kids come on the scene. Um, so that changes things. You know, again, if they got married, maybe their spouse wants to live in Florida near you as opposed to St. Louis. Okay. And so that would require a change in employment, uh, practice ownership, could come up. Maybe, maybe I've, I had a conversation last week with someone who said they, they wanted to be a practice owner in six to seven years. Well, if a great opportunity comes up in year three or four, that could change the plan. And because the plan changes, the student loan repayment strategy might need to change as well. So that's why I tell people this is not a, it's not a one and done, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not a one-time transaction. So I asked you a few minutes ago, what the biggest mistake people make in student loan planning is, but as you work with people in general, what's the biggest mistake that you see from a comprehensive macro perspective with fresh dental school grads? Well, I think that the best debt that they probably ever will have is going to dental school. Okay. Maybe the second best is buying a practice, but I I am concerned. And this is just a, this is not just with dental students. This is with our culture in general, that, you know, credit is easily accessible for anything you want to buy. And, you know, you probably have this in Florida, but there's what's called doctor's loans, which dentists oftentimes, you know, um, are eligible for, which is, you know, you get a hundred percent down to buy a house. Now the generation before us, 
had to have 20% down to buy a home. And then we blew up the economy in 2008 and nine because of the real estate crash. And I'm, you know, I'm concerned that people take on way too much debt and people feel like, you know, I have clients that are buying houses that are twice as big, twice as nice, twice as expensive as the home that they just left a few years ago that they were raised in. Yeah, it's it's interesting with it. The consumer mentality is is pretty intense. And it's like when I talk with people, it's like there's a ratio of a mortgage payment to income that you need to stay within. And some people listen and some people don't. But I, you know, where I live in Florida, the doctor loan limit's $750,000. So for those of you who don't know, it's 0% down, 100% financed, no mortgage insurance whatsoever. This particular individual went out and bought a $750,000 house, but then they didn't have the money for closing costs. And they had to go borrow money from family to pay for closing costs. And it's just like, that's the essence of really just a poor decision in my, in, from my perspective. And so I think you're right. It's just like, you know, saving money is a big deal. We don't necessarily have to go buy everything that we see advertised. Yeah, I think patience is, uh, they say patience is a virtue. And I think it's a lost virtue in a lot of cases. And I think they've worked so hard. And I i mean, I couldn't have done it. There's no way I would have made it through, you know, dental school or, or medical school. I just, I, I don't have the study habits uh, to do that. But uh, they've worked so hard to get here. And just with a little more patience and a little financial acumen, uh, they can be very, very, very successful and really change the course of of their family tree, perhaps, in terms of leaving a legacy and those types of things. So they've got a fantastic opportunity ahead of them. Right. So what does the phrase financial health mean to you as you as you look at the the all these clients? What what do you think that means from your perspective? So I kind of think it's a it's a healthy balance between spending and saving to just keep it short. People are oftentimes anxious about money. I like to talk about, you know, family history with money or uh, one of the first questions I ask people on a consult is, you know, what's your relationship with money? You know, Mm -hmm. do you guys get along? And so our society doesn't teach people about money. No, it doesn't. Uh, You know, we don't, it's not in, you know, higher, it's not in high school. I don't, you know, most dental schools don't have any finance classes that, that they're required to take. So people, people can enter their careers with a very distorted view of money and a very unhealthy relationship with money. And so what we try to do is just try to help them strike that balance between, you know, spending, consuming today and consuming in the future. It's all about consumption. It's just that if you consume everything today, you're not going to have as much down the road. And the idea about investing and the time value of money invested in the market is just a that's a way of building wealth, you know, to have your money growing for you. While you're working in dentistry, you can carve out maybe 10% of your earnings and set that aside and invest in fantastic companies in the United States and all over the world and have some of the greatest minds in business being partners with them and owning shares in their businesses. It's a, it's a really exciting thing. And so we just try to educate them and uh, meet them where they are and help them strike that right balance between spending and saving. That's fantastic. So last two questions before we get you out of here, are you a reader? And if you are, what is the best book you've read recently or what are you reading now? So I am a reader, but I am a cliff notes reader. And so I uh, 
I have about four different books that I'm reading right now. None of them are involved in finance. I get plenty of that during the day. Let me grab one here real quickly. So I'm a veteran and I'm reading a book right now called Get It On. Okay. Okay. And uh, this is uh, Kenny Thomas. He's actually a Nashville performer, but he was an army ranger and he was one of the uh, veterans in the Black Hawk Down mission. And uh, oh, wow. it's, it's a fantastic book, Get It On with uh, Kenny Thomas. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I love to read. Um, what advice would you give to a new dental school grad? Well, I would say that uh, you've got three or four, about three months after graduation to get your financial affairs in order. Interest starts occurring on October 1st, and you definitely should have a well thought out plan, you know, ready to go. I would say no later than September 1st. And, uh, you know, whether you need professional help or not to put that together, that's uh, it's yet to be determined. But I would say really, really have a good understanding of in particular, the two income-driven repayment plans, revised pay-as-you-earn and pay-as-you-earned. And I would say, don't rush to refinance. Those would be my main tips, I would say. That's great advice. That's great advice. Well, Mark, it's been very interesting to speak to you today. This has been very informative for our listeners. I want to thank you for your time here today. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021 11 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535. Expiration, April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License number 16139032. California Insurance License number 0L10073. 2021 Expiration June 2023. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.